Life Toyetic with Ben and Molly. I am Ben. And I'm so tired. Yeah. So worn out. Are we just done? I just... I need a change of pace. These last couple of movies have taken a lot out of me. Please tell me that I'm in for something other than existential suffering today. This week we are watching the Trolls Holiday special. <laughs> no, we are not. No. Actually, that might be enjoyable. No, uh, this week we're watching the Lego Batman movie. Yay! Um, relief! Yeah, in part because of the same reason we watched the Lego movie uh, months back. Because we were just ground down yeah. by the, the sequence of movies that we were... I feel, like, I feel like we've had a run of maybe 10 episodes that have been... There have been a lot. There have been too many in a row yeah. that have made me question everything about the world and my place in it. It's been rough. It's been a difficult slog through the last few movies and it, it feels like it's been unrelenting and every time that one of us has chosen something that we think might offer some relief... It has It backfires spectacularly. Yeah. Like, I, I chose Doctor Who and the Daleks thinking, well, this is a goofy 60s sci-fi romp. Maybe it would be <laughs> fun. No, turns out, one of the most boring movies ever made. Yeah. But that's why we are, we have specifically chosen the Lego Batman movie. Um, if you listened to our Lego movie episode, you will know that that episode was maybe not as funny as previous episodes. I think it was fine. I, 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 here's the thing. I, I, I think it's a great episode. I think we spend... Um, that is the episode, f- as far as I'm concerned, where we really nailed down what makes a good toyetic movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that was really important for establishing our scale. Yeah. And figuring out what we were going to be looking for in the movies to come. Yeah. In many ways, it should have been a movie we did sooner. Mm. But it was ep- we did episode six. So it was pretty early on. Yeah, and then we immediately followed it with the Emoji, emoji movie. movie. and then we regretted everything. But the, again, those two episodes laid a foundation for what this podcast has become mm-hmm. over the last, God, like 20 episodes. Oh my goodness, yeah. there have been a lot of episodes now. We've done quite a lot. I'm very, I'm very happy with that. Do you I'm think we've proud. hit a stride of any kind? That's an interesting question. I will counter with another question. Do you think we have jumped the shark yet? I don't know what it would take for us to have jumped the shark, because this is a very silly podcast where kinda, <laughs> anything goes. That is true. We don't really have any set rules. We have a very loose structure. Um, I can't think of any other... I'm sure that there are. I can't think of any other podcasts that are movie reviews or like TV or any kind of review where they record an intro before they go off and watch the thing. Because most of the movie podcasts... I li- like, I listen to The Flophouse. I love The mm-hmm. Flophouse. The three guys who do The Flophouse... Will list will go off and watch the movies separately in their own time. Oh, and then they come together and then together, come together. And yeah. It. Um, and then uh, the Greatest Generation, which is a great mm-hmm. Star Trek: The Next Generation podcast, they also watch their episodes separately and then come together mm-hmm. to record with, with the their episode. Notes. Yeah, um, but we don't do that. No, we keep it real here. It's part of the. You're hearing our our raw <laughs> reactions. Yeah, like we we record this before we watch the movie, and then we come back and we t- we give you the hottest of hot takes. Yes, even if the movie came out in nineteen sixty five. So, to that end, when was the last time you watched the Lego Batman movie? Um, I think it would have been earlier this year. I feel like I've watched it somewhat recently. Okay. I think you lent it to me. Yeah, or something. I, I have it on Blu Ray. Yeah, I would. I got it. I think last year is when it came out because we had the Lego Batman movie and the Lego Ninjago movie both came out. 
I want to say like six months apart. Yeah, I haven't seen the Lego Ninjago movie. I saw it in theaters. It was it was fine. It is on our list. It's on our list because it must be. Yeah, I just I I it wasn't as enjoyable as the other Lego movies. Mm. This movie, I the last time I saw it, despite the fact that I own it on Blu-ray, the last time I saw this movie was in theaters about oh. a year and a half ago. I think more than a year and a half ago, actually, because it was like a spring movie, right? I don't remember. Like early 2017. I'm not really tapped into Lego or Batman. Or movie releases. Or films. Or pop culture. Why am I here? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm you should find... trade me in for a better co-host. Do you think Timber would be good? Do you think... I think she's more got her finger on the pulse of these cultural zeitgeists, <laughs> whatevers. So yeah, we, we both know, as we did with the Lego movie, we both know that the Lego Batman movie is an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. Having seen it more recently, um, what do you remember of it? I remember that Barbara Gordon is not Alfred's niece. Good. That's a great start. <laughs> I remember and I remember Barbara... there's a scene where there's a lobster in a microwave. Yes. I don't remember a lot of it, I'll be honest. Lobster in a microwave does... That thing I love about that moment, and I'll probably elucidate... Is that the word? On that a little more. Yes, that is a word. Thank you. Is that Good the job. word? Good job. That's dictionary.com's word of the day. <laughs> I will probably go into more detail on that after we watch the movie, but Batman microwaving a lobster is such a young kid's idea of what a rich person <laughs> would do with their rich person food. Which is, again, something that I think that the first Lego movie really yeah. nailed. That kind of, this world has been built by a by kid a from a toy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a child's understanding of how the world works. Yeah. This is also um, our, this is going to be our second episode in as many episodes to feature the Daleks. Our second episode in as many episodes? What about Barbie? Well, our second of three episodes, of the last <laughs> run of three, because the Daleks are in this movie. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. I, I also, do. also, I watched this before I lost my Hoover virginity, so maybe now <laughs> I'll be more attuned to the presence of those sorts of things. We should also, let's talk about that a little bit before we go to the movie, because you watched your first, like, proper episode I of did. Doctor Who this Yeah, weekend. I watched the new Jodie Whittaker, whatever. <laughs> the one that she's in. Yeah. I watched the first episode, because that's all there is to watch, and I enjoyed it, and I'm interested to see the rest of the series. Nice. Uh, did you, obviously, we're not, we're not going to spend, like, a thousand years reviewing that episode, but... As someone whose exposure to Doctor Who has been like one Christmas episode and then Doctor Who and the Daleks a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, what what did you think of, of the episode? What did you take away from it? I think coming in with no expectations helped me in a way. This is the first Doctor Who related story that I've actually been able to follow with my brain mm-hmm. and say, this happened, so that happened, and it makes sense. So I hope the rest of the episodes are like that. Yeah, that's the hope. There's there's nine more this season, so uh, I'm not going to do like a little Who Corner every week, but I'm just <laughs> the excited. House on Who Corner. The House on Who Corner, yes. Um, but obviously, I mean, I make no secret of the fact that Doctor Who is a passion of mine. It's one of my favourite TV shows of all time, if not the favourite TV I show I think it must time. be the favourite. It's between that and Red Dwarf, and I dither between the two. But I'm excited that you watched an episode the day it aired and did not hate it. Yeah. Like, that's a good... I wasn't expecting to hate it. Yeah. You went and in... maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Is that I went in with an open heart. Yeah. Whereas before I went in because you were making me. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, it was because I, I do the after show at Geeky Tees. Yeah. I just wanted to support you. Yeah. I would have watched it anyway, though. Okay. I would have watched it even if, I ha- even if you hadn't been doing an event related to it. Yeah. Anyway, Lego Batman. Jesus Christ. Um, do we just want to go away and watch it? Or do we I have any do. Other... 
I do want to go away and watch it. I just want to have an uplifting experience right now. I think we deserve it. I think we do. I think we've been punishing ourselves unnecessarily, yeah. but it's time to let go of that and move forward. Okay, so we're going to go away and watch the Lego Batman movie. We will be right back after these probably not tremendously old commercial messages. New, the Lego Batman movie sets. The Joker is attacking Gotham City again. Oh no, it's Clayface. You can help Batman and Robin build the Batmobile. Load the heroes. And chase down the villains. Our heroes clean up the city again. New, the Lego Batman movie sets. Each set sold separately. Background elements not included. We have returned. Yay! What a fun That was movie. so nice. Yeah, it's... It's nice to feel some real feelings yeah. that aren't, like, horror and disgust with yourself. I think one of my favorite things about the Lego Batman movie is that it is just fun and mm-hmm. joyful, and it takes a lot of ideas that have been executed in a, in a very kind of dark manner in comics and TV and film... And just says, screw it, let's have fun yeah, with it. Yeah, makes I, it silly and yeah. approachable for children. And that's one of the things I love. Like, I think a lot of people fixate on the idea of Batman as a dark mm-hmm. character. And that wasn't always the case. I mean, um, I'm too young to remember the actual discussion at the time. And this is definitely before I think you were born. But um, when Tim Burton said he was going to do a Batman movie, my understanding is that there was a lot of... Why? What you mean that thing from the sixties with Adam West? Why? Mm. Why would anyone yeah. want a movie of that? And then he made you know the movie with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Which one's not the golfer? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. I did, I, I always think is it Nicholas because of the golf man? I assume there's, there's a, golf a golf man. man? I think there's a golfman called uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholas. Dang it! See, I mixed them up. Anyway, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, the gentleman to whom you're referring. Yeah, but there's an idea that. Batman can only be dark and gritty and edgy. And I think things like this film and Batman the Brave and the Bold are great examples of a a lighter, more, I don't want to say family-friendly, but like goofy, yeah. not serious more approach to the source material. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that we, we can, like... As with a Lego movie, there isn't. I don't think breaking down the plot is going to do us any good here because the plot is very, very. It's pretty simple and straightforward, yeah. and it makes sense. Yeah. So our job is kind of done for us because a yeah. lot of the the gifts that we do is taking things that don't make sense and trying to retrofit them in a way yeah. that they do make sense, so our brains can process it, so we're not in intense psychic pain. Yeah. And we don't have to do that in this instance. And also, I th- as with the Lego movie, I think it's hard to be funny about something that mm-hmm. is already funny. So let's be serious. Yeah. We need to be down to earth. We need to be adults. Yes. The moral of this story is be an adult. Of this podcast story or of the film we just watched? Either or. Because I can definitively tell you what the moral of the movie we just watched is because they explicitly state it. At the beginning. At the beginning and With then a at Michael the end. Jackson quote. <laughs> I did like, because they, they, they have the line from Man in the Mirror at the beginning and it ends with who. And then uh, at the end when Phyllis, the, the Phantom Zone brick, is saying, I've finally seen, I've, for the first time I've seen someone who took a look at themselves and made a change. And then Batman asks, who? who? And that was such a nice, <laughs> uh... a nice little moment. 
I adore this movie. I think this film is a strong contender for maybe the greatest Batman movie ever made. In part because it is... It honours the the lengthy history mm-hmm. of Batman in cinema, in comics. Like, there's a lot of those niche rogue gallery villains that pop up in this movie without being too reverential. And again, just kind of having fun with it with the same kind of tone and tempo and tenor that the Lego movie had. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's another Lego movie. It is almost exactly like that, yes. I think we could probably... We could probably spend a good amount of time talking about this movie as a piece of queer cinema. Mm. Because the relationship between Batman and the Joker is is very... I don't necessarily think the relationship itself is queer-coded, but it's their dynamic is definitely coded as a relationship. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. My gay thoughts? Yeah. Well, yours are more explicitly... Well, I would say explicitly as if, as if to say pornographic, which is not the case. <laughs> but you, you don't know what my thoughts are. I really don't, but... In the sense that someone looking at me in my relationship would be like, gay! Yeah. And someone looking at you in your relationship would be like... A straight passing, yeah. possibly. Let's see. I have to think some... I have to, I have to actually think thoughts. <laughs> Give it a go. <laughs> I think because it was... It was played for laughs. It's. It wasn't something that stuck out to me it's not it's not what resonated with me the most i just thought it was like a cute little bit that they did yeah like this film takes a lot of those i don't know if they're tropes but a lot of the recurring batman themes and plays them up makes them silly like the fact that he's very aggressively not bruce wayne you know (laughs) the fact that he is a billionaire and heats up lobster in the microwave. Like, those are poking... They're poking fun at things that we all know culturally are kind of silly about Batman. Yeah. And the fact that he's locked in this kind of embrace with the Joker in their um, rivalry is just another one of those elements that they're that they're playing up mm. for laughs. That's how I interpreted it. So you see representation. I see a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> But I also, I know what it's like to look for representation wherever you can get it. Do you, it was, you know they're not actually going to kiss. Yeah. Even though they they use all the same, like, rom-com tropes. I mean, they've definitely, they definitely use the, the language yeah. of a romantic comedy. The visual language. Yeah. Especially. To kind of set up a, a specific dynamic. And they kind of, I don't want to say turn it on its head, because the entire thing is that they're, they're arch enemies. Mm-hmm. Or Joker thinks of himself as... Batman's arch enemy and realizes that Batman doesn't feel the same mm-hmm. way, and a lot of that kind of lang- that rom com language is is used for them. But I also think that's I think if you if if for example if it were a different if it were like Poison Ivy or uh, a female member of Batman's Rogues Gallery, I don't think it would necessarily have had the same no. impact. You ne- it needs to be Batman's for a start. It needs to be Batman's his actual arch nemesis, which yeah. is the Joker. The the Joker is is the Moriarty to Batman Sherlock. But I think that because the Joker is a male-coded character and Batman is a male-presenting character, it becomes inherently queer the way that it Mm -hmm. has been represented on the screen. And this is not something that I spent a lot of time thinking about when I first saw it in the theatre, but it is something that I saw discussed online a little bit and it's one of those thoughts that once... 
it, 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 it's kind of like a uh, like an earworm. Like once that thought was in my head, like it, that's I, all you saw. It's all I could think about, and it just kept turning over in my head. And it's much more avert to me on this viewing than it was on the. That's first interesting viewing. because I hadn't really given it any thought, and so now I'm trying to go back and think about all of their interactions. Mm. Like, yes, it was pretty gay, but it was <laughs> it was a joke. You know, yeah, it was I, a bit. Yeah, but I also think it was a bit that was it wasn't like a scene like that's the through like the entire plot of this movie hinges on the Joker feeling like he's been mm-hmm. uh, kind of rebuffed, yeah. rebuked by by Jilted. Batman, jilted. Yeah, um, like he put he he thought their relationship was in one place, and Batman thought it was in another. Like that's <laughs> and that's the spine of the story. Like the Joker's motivation is that he wants Batman to either suffer for not putting the relationship on that same level or to make Batman yeah. see that the relationship is on that same level. And in a way, it, that's kind of... The Dark Knight does that a little bit as well, but is a little less flowery. And... I haven't seen The Dark Knight. I've seen okay. the other two. I've seen, like, the cookies, but I haven't seen the cream. Because <laughs> I was always too scared to watch it because I was told it was the scariest one. Uh, if you ever want to watch it, I will sit here and watch it with you. Okay. And I will hold your hand. And I'll cover my eyes. I will bring... O- Oreos are vegan. Can you eat an Oreo? They have chocolate in them, so no. The non-chocolate ones. Golden Oreos? Like golden Oreos or... I do love golden Oreos. Okay. And they're vegan? Yes, they okay, are. Okay, so I'll bring a box of golden Oreos <laughs> for you, a box of regular Oreos for me. We'll sit down, we'll watch The Dark Knight, and then we'll talk about how queer-coded that <laughs> is, which is not a lot, but definitely the... If it were just a bit, like I get, I I don't want to dismiss that idea out of hand because I totally understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from because that, that that language is being played for laughs, but also that language is part of the dynamic as presented at the beginning of the movie and the Joker's reaction to that to to that exchange that he has with Batman is what pushes the narrative forward. And in many ways, it's they don't say love, they say hate. So it's kind of a gay hate story, mm-hmm. and it's about one man trying to make another man realize they feel the same way about yeah 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 and that's brilliant like i think of all the interpretations that there have been of of batman and the joker throughout the last god is it really like 90 years i guess a lot of years i don't think it's 90 it's a lot i want to say it's like 80 (laughs) (laughs) or 70 I, i would go i won't google it we'll look it up after we finish recording um, so I apologize if we've spread misinformation, which we undoubtedly have. For the for the love of whatever you believe in, please don't at us with numbers. I don't want to look at my feed. It's just why am I why is my why are my mentions just full of the Hold number? Hold on, 90? I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it. Okay, I'm gonna Google it. When was Batman invented? <laughs> 1939. That's math. So it's nine. It's nine. It's not nineteen at all. It's nineteen eighteen now. <laughs> it's twenty eighteen now, which means next. Can I year, vote yet? Which means next year is twenty nineteen, and that's what twenty twenty nine or twenty thirty nine. So that's eighty years. Eighty years. Eighty years. <laughs> eight zero. Eight zero. Yeah. So I was right. Eight, yeah, eight, I'm zero. just rounding up to ninety as people. Well, do. in the um in the film which came out in twenty seventeen, mm. Joker says it's been seventy eight years. That's so true. So I was like, it must be close to 80 now. When did the Joker make, make his debut? I assume they were together. From the beginning, they were together. They were bonded. They're soulmates. 
I think it's interesting because you do see that dynamic in a lot of like overt hero, overt villain, like you are my arch nemesis kind yeah. of stories where like these two individuals are bound together in some way. Yeah. And their fixation on each other borders on erotic. 1940. So yeah, I guess that would have been 78 years in 2017 when yeah. it came out. Yeah, I mean, even at the end of the at the end of the Dark Knight, and it's kind of bittersweet because the film was released after Heath Ledger had passed mm. away. But one of the Joker's last lines uh, is uh, he's saying to Batman, "I think you and I are destined to do this forever," which is sad when you think about yeah. what didn't happen with the third movie. But but the idea of being fated to be with someone in yeah. some capacity for the rest of your lives in, in many ways. Batman it's it's and a the relationship. Joker. Yeah. Yeah, like that this idea of 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 soulmates uh who are destined to mm-hmm. constantly, you know, be thrust encounter each other yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, and it in many ways as I've said, like Batman the Joker is to Moriarty as Batman is to Sherlock. So they they mirror each other in mm-hmm. in in many ways and particularly in in the Dark Knight trilogy, and it's mentioned at the end of Batman Begins, where, you know, Batman has kind of escalated things. There are going to be people who are going to try to rise to his level, and that's who the Joker is mm-hmm. in in the Dark Knight trilogy. I think, it, you know, they, they are kind of counterpoints to each other. Yeah. I don't think we're necessarily saying anything new about that dynamic right now. But what else are we going to talk about? Well, I, this is the thing, is I can't think of any other example of Batman and the Joker's dynamic being this explicitly queer coded mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like yeah. even in the comics i remember I, there was a little bit of it i think in the dark knight returns which is not a great it's a considered a classic i didn't really like it it's a, it's very i mean there's a scene in it of i think batman using a minigun and it's like that's too much for me mm. like that's that's antithetical to what i think batman is and who batman should be but there's a little bit of the queer coding in in the Dark Knight Returns, but that's explicitly of the Joker, not of the Joker's dynamic with mm-hmm. with Batman. And I think it's a nice touch. I think it's a nice angle. It's an interesting angle. It's an interesting angle to take for their relationship. But importantly, I think it's it's a strong angle and a brave angle for a family movie to say, here is a queer coded relationship in a family movie and it's kind of bold because i think the people who are the type to complain about the presence of you know queer and lgbt characters in family friendly media mm-hmm. are going to watch this and all they're going to see is oh they haha ha. yeah, i think yeah. for them they're going to they're going to see the bit whereas maybe their children will see yeah. an awakening <laughs> yeah that's, that that's the hope is that you know there are there are kids who will see that and see the that's okay in a way. And well, that's an t- option in some yeah. capacity. I personally think you're assigning motives to people who were just trying to make a joke, but I also understand what it's like to be a queer kid and to have nothing that represents you and to cling to anything that's even a little bit coded, yeah. anything that even suggests queerness in any capacity. So I don't think of it as being brave because mm. it's still like, it is, it is a joke. It's not a cruel joke in the way that a lot of films will, like, punch down. Like a lot of the gay panic stuff yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a joke. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. I, I understand that viewpoint. I don't think I would describe it as brave either, unless I did, in which you case... Did. Haha, oops. You can <laughs> around that. 
but I do think I do think it's important. I do think it's. I, I think I, I definitely described it as a bold choice, and maybe you and I are going to disagree on that front. But I do think it's a bold choice, and I do think that it's important that stuff because I think that I think that if if the Joker had historically been a woman, or if Batman had historically been a woman, and they, they did the exact same thing, down yeah, they would have boned down. Point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm almost positive that something of that ilk has happened in the comics, with like a gender bent version mm. of of one or the other. Like that seems like such a mind you. Like com- the comics do stuff like you know, there's a there's a I think it's an Elseworlds comic where the Joker is Alfred because and he and he portrays the Joker to give Batman something to do, like, because... Which is another interesting take on it. When it comes to representation, I'm I'm bisexual, and there's not a tremendous amount of positive bisexual Mm. representation in the media. And when there is, it's people saying things like, oh, well, I don't like labels, or it's kind of... Yeah, yeah. It's kind of danced around... And I see movements like um, "Give Steve Rogers a Boyfriend," for example, from which was a big th- a big deal online a couple of mm. years ago. And I'm conflicted because I think people see when I think about like the Captain America movies, I think people see Chris Evans as Steve Rogers and his kind of effortless charm with characters like Bucky and Sam, and they immediately think, "Oh, charming!" There's a connection between those two. Clearly, they want to bone down, which is always a mindset I have found profoundly troubling no matter the gender of the people yeah involved. like i the the fact that people see two people getting along and their first thought is that you know one of them wants to i mean the, that's just you know, tumblr i mean there's a lot but that's a lot of that online i mean before tumblr it was live journal and before ao3 it was it was fanfiction.net and there's there's a lot of that online and i i think it's important to value the platonic friendship between two male characters mm-hmm. Because there's not a lot of representation yeah, it's of Im- that it's important either. for men and straight men to yeah. see that they can love their male friends, yeah. and it's fine. It's okay to love yeah. people. Yeah, you don't have to have sex with them. Yeah, and, and as someone who you know, I'm I don't know where what I would describe myself as. I'm still a little slippery when it comes to the subject of like my own personal gender identity. I default to male, but I don't think... Ben is a little slippery. Let the record show. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to, am I a typical male? Like, I'm very, and you know this, I'm very open about my emotions. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of what people would consider feminine traits. Yeah. So when I see characters who have, you know, who are in touch with their emotions, Mm -hmm. that matters to me. Uh, but I'm also a bisexual man, so I I totally get the want on a level of representation to want Steve Rogers to have a boyfriend. So I understand. So I have this conflict of the want the want of like platonic representation. Mm-hmm. Versus- it's okay to want both. Yeah, and you go to different media to scratch different itches. Yeah, I understand that because for me, like, it's important for me to see queer women having relationships. But also, it's just as important to see platonic friendships between yeah. women where they're not being catty, they're not fighting over someone, they're just, like, friends who are there for each other and support each other. Yeah. And that's that's something I, I definitely cannot and should not speak to that, because I don't have that experience, mm-hmm. I don't have that viewpoint, I'm not a woman, I, I can't imagine what it must feel like to be brought up in a society where you are frequently seen as an object rather than a person, and it's where rough. you are... <laughs> <laughs> where you are kind of trained and taught to see women as competitors yeah. for for the prize of a man, I guess, or I don't, a job, or, or a just job. the yeah. idea that like there can only be one woman, yeah. and you have in in whatever arena that you're in, so you have to be the best. 
you have to beat everyone else out. Yeah. Because there's only, it's all men. You are going to be the token woman, so you have to beat out everyone else. That kind of mindset. Yeah. And on the subject of, of women, I think there is a very strong female presence in the Lego Batman movie, particularly with Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara Gordon becomes the commissioner of the Gotham PD, uh, taking over from Jim Gordon, who is an old stuffy man who goes to South Africa, I guess. On a safari. On a safari. That's what everyone does when they retire. Yeah. Um, my understanding. Barbara Gordon's role in this movie is... I know, I know that there was a lot of backlash from, like, diehard comic fans when this movie came out, because Barbara Gordon in this movie, she's a woman of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Is it Rosario Dawson? Yeah. Yeah, who voices her in this film. And I really... Like, I loved her presence. I loved how inclusive this movie felt. Mm-hmm. I and, and I thought that ordinarily we see, you know, Commissioner Gordon is a fairly prominent figure in the Batman story, with the exception of Batman and Robin, where his his entire thing is FaceTiming Batman at the beginning of the movie to say, <laughs> hey, two new characters have shown up. Uh, you can read their bios on Wikipedia. Um, and then getting flirted at by Poison Ivy, and then he has no other involvement in the film. That's the interesting thing about the, the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher Batman movies, is they don't make a lot of hay about Commissioner Gordon, whereas the the Batman animated series played with that the dynamic between Batman and the Commissioner a lot, and that's a, a more integral component of the Dark Knight trilogy. So I think a lot of people have this perception of Batman and Commissioner Gordon are a unit, mm-hmm. and I think that's definitely been played within the comics as well. So to remove jim gordon from the proceedings entirely and replace him with barbara gordon so that commissioner gordon is a woman is a brilliant idea like i how how did you feel about that i since i don't have a strong sense of batman history i knew that she was his daughter i did not know that originally she was not active on the police force Mm. I assume she wasn't if people were making a big stink about it. Well, I think people were making a big stink about it because she was a woman of color. Well, that sounds right. Um, I don't know whether she was ever a cop in the comics or in any of the cartoon adaptations, but she does become Batgirl, and then there's the whole... I don't know if you're familiar with The Killing Joke. I am familiar with it. I don't remember the details. I just remember that it's a thing. It's, it's, It's rough, and it's not a great read. But it does end with Barbara Gordon being permanently paralyzed. And she becomes this other character called Oracle, who's like Batman's woman in the chair, like computer hacker, point of contact, Mm. that kind of stuff. Oracle became, like, the circumstances of Oracle becoming disabled was a huge uh, fuck you to uh, a lot of women readers. Yeah, sounds like something that would happen. Yeah, particularly in DC. That's the comics, not the... (laughs) State is the Washington DC. It's a, a district. State? It's a district. Okay. District of Columbia. I don't know enough about American politics. That's why I'm telling or, you. Or geography. Geography. Um, That's why I'm here to tell you. You don't yeah. have to be embarrassed. Okay, cool. But then um, Barbara Gordon as Oracle being confined to a wheelchair became important representation for disabled yeah. readers. I talked and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday after Doctor Who. There's a character with is it dyspraxia? Dyspraxia. Um, which I remember watching that and thinking that I don't have dyspraxia. I have fibromyalgia, which presents its own hurdles and obstacles physically. But I remember watching that and thinking, oh my God, that's that's kind of me. My body doesn't here. work. Yeah. His body doesn't work. <laughs> I can identify with yeah. this. Yeah. 
I'm interested to see how they're going to play that out over the course of the series. But this is not Batman no, we're talking no. about anymore. And even when we're t- even talking about Oracle, like we're not really talking about Lego Batman anymore. No. We, we're just talking about the character of Barbara Gordon. But I, I think it all kind of ties into the, the the theme of the conversation that I have forced us to have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is representation. Which I think it's really great that films that are being designed for families but with kids in mind, like this movie are presenting a diverse range of characters. Yeah. Characters, you know, of varying gender identities and ethnic backgrounds. And I think that's... I think it is great that they didn't just stuff a bunch of white people in yeah. here and make Jim Gordon come out with a big old gun and sideline Barbara Gordon. Barbara Gordon does not show up in the Dark Knight trilogy hardly at all, mm. I think. That's my entire thought right there. That's it? I don't What's know that the I... End? I don't know that I have... I feel like... I- You've gone on for a good 20 minutes about this. Yeah. And I wanted to just kind of let you run. Because you have you have nothing to say. <laughs> I do have things to say, but I- not on that topic. Well, then I, I think what we should... Because I- here's the thing. I'm very aware of the fact that I'm a white guy talking about yeah. representation. Yeah. I talk about it because it matters to me. Like, yeah, I- yeah. I-, I think it's an important subject. But I'm also the wrong person to be having this... To be making these points. So why don't we move away from diversity and representation and let's talk instead about whatever it is you got queued up in your mental <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I did like our representation chat. Good. That was fine. Would you say that your main takeaway was the queer codedness? Like that's the thing that you tuned into the most? I think in on this viewing it is definitely something that rippled out more for me than uh-huh. it did when the first time I saw it. In part because, like I said, like it really does form the spine of 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 this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's what motivates the Joker is you know having Batman he wants Senpai to notice him. Yeah, basically. But I also think that it's not something I latched onto the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until you know I saw a discussion online where someone was saying this is a queer quoted movie. Where I thought, oh yeah, it kind of is. And now you're looking for it. Oh, I don't necessarily think I'm looking for it, but I think it stands out yeah. to me more. It's like during it's like during the day, it's just wearing a fairly untoward white sweater, and then we've gone to a haunt, and there's black lights on. It's <laughs> and now it's glowing. It's luminescent. Yeah, uh, I, that's what it feels like to me. Like I, I can't, I can't not see it. It's like you know, sometimes when you like someone says, "Oh, you're bleeding," and you've got a cut on your arm. And you don't remember it happening, but it's bad. Yeah, I mean, this is like the fifth analogy you've made. I get it. <laughs> I've I got two more in me. Hang on. No. It's like when a dog... No, Jesus. I'm not going to... No, I understand. I honestly, going into this, I thought we were going to spend a lot of time talking about parent loss. I genuinely thought that that was going to be where the conversation was going to go. See, I had thought that, about that. Because to me, like, this whole movie is about losing people and finding the courage to love again yeah that's like, definitely that's, they like explicitly state like yes man in the mirror like make a change but the change that woo. he makes woo the change that he makes is that he opens his heart again yeah and i i have been in that place of like my friends are gone. My family is gone. Everyone has rejected me and I have to open my heart to entirely new people and build yeah. a new family in a new place. Like yeah. I've literally lived that experience. So I, that's, that's what stood out to me. And that's why I like got a little teary at the end. Cause I was like, I understand. Yeah. It's, I've had slices from that pie, but not in that order. Mm. If that makes sense. Like I, I knew when I moved to America that the only people I knew here were my dad and my stepmom. I didn't have any friends out here. I didn't come here with a social circle ready and raring to go. I had to make friends. And I got very lucky because 
uh, Soul Geek launched the week after I moved here, so I signed up to Soul Geek to find other pe- like-minded souls geeks. Say both. I made some of my best friends through Soul Geek, not least of all Dino, who founded Soul Geek, who's who's like a and brother to me. And you're like now. best buds now. Yeah, like he's he's absolutely as near as a brother as I have on on this side of the Atlantic. And you know, I've lived in America for eleven years now, and the social circle I have now is is immense. Like I I I'm thirty two, and I sometimes wonder what would happen if I if I decided I wanted to leave LA. What would happen? And I can see the panic dawning in your eyes. <laughs> I'm not planning on going anywhere. Uh, I don't know that I could start over again like that. I mm. think it's easy to do when you're 21 and you're getting over trauma, as I was when I moved here. Easy. Easy peasy. It's easy to get over trauma. I don't, you, you know what I mean, though. Like, like it's. I think it's when you've made a conscious decision as part part of my healing process was I need to be somewhere else and I need to be somewhere new. Yeah. And that made it easier for me to decide to do that and to act on it and start forging friendships yeah. and whatnot didn't necessarily help with the trauma and as a recurring motif i wasn't addressing my problems i was just moving away yeah. from them which i also did when my when my parents but you left away. your problems a forwarding address yes oh yes <laughs> which brings me to my parents passing away mm-hmm. which is also a, a key theme in 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 this movie because i didn't deal with it for yeah. and i don't again I've, this is a conversation you and i have had i'm pretty sure it's a conversation that we may have had on this podcast before but when I had my breakdown in, in 2015, if we're going to get totally, like, properly get, real... Get as real as yeah, you want. I, I, I feel like the Lego movies afford us the freedom to be a little more real. Um, I think the people who come to us for laughs tune out probably at the 10 minute mark. So yeah. the people who are listening now are the diehards, I guess. Jeremy, are you still with us? Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Jeremy, let's sit down. Let's have a, yeah. a talk. Let's have a real talk. Ooh. Let's bear our souls. We'll make some oolong and we'll just... We'll... I can't drink oolong. Oh, you can't drink oolong. Can you do Earl Grey? No. What can you do? I can do herbal tea. I, I can do rooibos. Okay, that sounds good. Let's I'll make that. myself some chai rooibos and you okay. can have oolong. And Jeremy, whatever you want. We have a lot of stuff in the cupboard. Um, I had a breakdown in 2015 because I, di- I wasn't dealing with my parents' death and then the fibromyalgia like kicked into full force and I got let go from my job and my girlfriend at the time kicked me out because she didn't want to live with a- an unemployed cripple. And so literally every aspect of your life just exploded all at once. Yes, yeah, everything collapsed. And I have a six-month gap where I don't remember much about that time. And I, I don't want to harp on it, about it too much because it's sad and it's it took, took me a long time to kind of recover from, from that place. And you got to see a good chunk of that. But, you know, I was I was kind of closed off for a while, both mm-hmm. during and after the the breakdown and it doesn't help that when i did finally open myself up to someone that did not, not go well out, yeah. yeah but i still think it's important to be open and mm-hmm. to be receptive to new people and making yourself vulnerable even though you know statistically it's not going to work out every time yeah i don't regret yeah opening myself up again I regret, I think, opening myself up to the particular person that I opened myself up to and yeah. the fallout from that. But but even so, it was still, you, you learned something, yeah. something from that experience. And I saw you, like, make a strong decision for yourself. I think I In a grew, way that I had never yeah. seen you make before. I think and I, I was like, yeah, he's learning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a better person for last year's shenanigans. Yeah, and I think you have a better idea of what it is you do and don't want out of life and out yeah. of relationships and that's important. Like, even if you are in a relationship or a situation that goes south, like, you can still take that lesson away with you, provided yeah. you survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We 
we have similar stories. For me, I, I come from a position of being actively rejected by people and like actively betrayed by people and having to learn to open up and trust after that. For, for those of you who don't know, let's get real. It's real time with Ben and Molly. Um, it's the new podcast. <laughs> get out of here, Bill Mayer. We're <laughs> um, I don't have a relationship with my parents because they're very conservative and religious and they couldn't accept me coming out and they weren't supportive of my marriage. And so I lost them, basically. Like, they're not in my life. And I that was a loss that I had to grieve and... I lost a lot of friends, you know, I, I lost almost everyone that I grew up with, everyone that was my support system for the first 20 odd years of my life. And I had to rebuild from that. And I had to start from scratch, all the way from scratch. And so I very strongly feel that like, open your heart yeah. journey, like that was something that resonated with me really strongly. Because for, for so long, I was like, I can't go through that again. You know, yeah. I can't put myself in that position again. I was so worn down from being rejected on every front. But now we're friends and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. The end. That's the entire story with no additional details. But yeah, I I liked that it the, the theme that they chose is something that resonated with me very deeply, even though it was done in such a silly way, you know? <laughs> and I think maybe yeah. because it was so silly, it like got through my barriers do you think that the 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 climax of this movie is literally people coming together Mm -hmm. literally coming together joining their bodies yeah uh to restore gotham city from two halves to one whole yeah and does that not in a way serve as a metaphor for the fact that we are all kind of connected yeah my feet are attached to your head yeah click right in Uh, but we're all we're all connected, yeah. and we have to be open to the idea of plugging your You're, head into yeah, my yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go plug your head into someone's feet today. Yeah, I mean, ask first. But... Yeah, consent is important. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like genuinely, I very strongly believe that we are all connected. And I guess some people would describe it as a spiritual way, but certainly we all are interdependent on each yeah. other because we live in a society because we are social creatures. And no one lives in isolation. Like, no. every action you take... Affects, affects someone. Yeah, affects yeah. other people. And I'm very conscious of that now, I think, in a way that I wasn't, you know, in my early 20s or even four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not perfect, you know, I... Aren't you? I think you're this, perfect. That's, that's a I lie, I accept you unconditionally. You. Um, I mean, I... I sometimes do say and do thoughtless things that upset people. You know, at 32, I think I'm a, a more... I don't want to say enlightened because that sounds a bit wanky, but conscious, co- yeah, conscious, aware, cognizant individual yeah. than than I was at the age of twenty one, and you would hope and so. And that's because, how, yeah, yeah, I, I would really hope so. I yeah. think a lot, a lot of people don't have, I don't know, if they don't have the capacity, but they don't choose to learn from their mistakes. Yeah. and I think I know that I try to make a conscious effort to learn when yeah. I fuck up and make it right. And not do that again. Yeah. You know? That's, it's so simple. It, there's one of this, these weird things. People don't like saying sorry. They don't like apologizing because there's this idea that it's it shows weakness mm. or that it shows fallibility. Those people watch too much NCIS. Yeah. I've always seen someone, like, having the balls to say, look, I fucked up and I'm sorry. That is an incredibly 
brave yeah. thing to do because you're putting yourself in a in a in a I don't want to say it's like a position of weakness because that's not really it. I think it shows strength and bravery um and a certain amount of vulnerability. From, yeah, thank you. That's think. the word I was I was groping for in the yeah. dark there. And there is strength in that. I think yeah. for me, someone someone fucks up. Yeah. They apologize to me. I, growing up, I almost never received apologies. So when I receive apologies now, it's very special. I've apologized to you about yeah, stuff, right? and yeah. and I respect you more for that. Like any, if you if you fuck up and you apologize to me, you acknowledge that you did something wrong, yeah. that you hurt me, whatever. I respect you more for that. I might not want to be buds, yeah, depending on what it was, but like I can I can respect that, yeah. and I I hold you in higher esteem because of that. Like if you can acknowledge that you did something wrong. And you have the guts to come out and say it and try to make it right and own up to it. That's yeah. meaningful to me. I think that's important. This film does kind of address that a little bit. But it cheats a bit by not actually having Batman say sorry. Mm, yeah, which, I did notice that. Yeah. I think the heart of that moment was right. But I think they played it for laughs a little too... They they they, 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 they tipped the scale a little bit yeah. too much in favour of playing it for laughs, which is a shame because I think it's a it's a strong moment otherwise. And I think it would have been stronger. And it's if... an important skill for him to have learned and to be like psych. Yeah. He didn't actually learn this kind of takes the air out of that. Yeah. I, I think you can still have that joke where someone else says it and then he says, Well that was easy. You can then follow that with you still need to say it. You didn't say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then And then it's have still it's be. still yeah. funny, but it's complete. Yeah, you can have your cake and then also eat that yeah, cake. Yeah, yum yum yum. Yeah, it's delicious. It's bat cake. It's made of Lego. <laughs> this bat cake is very crunchy. <laughs> oh, it's just because I found the baby Jesus in it. Oh yeah. Did you see there's uh there's a change.org petition to rename um communion wafers to Jesus? <laughs> That's amazing. If they rename them Jesus, I'm going back to church. <laughs> That's all it takes. I'm going back to church, eat some Jesus. <laughs> Jesus and booze, man. There's got to be. What would you then call the wine? There's got to be a better. Um, hmm. Pinot Grigio. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess no, Pinot I like Grigio is, is a white wine, and that wouldn't do. That would just transubstantiate into Jesus's plasma. I saw a photo online recently of the, the the wafers and wine they get handed. I'm sure there's a is it communion? Yeah, they get handed out in the mm-hmm. mega, those mega churches, and it's like that. Uh, you know, what the, the, when you have a pill and you have to push the pill out for medicine, like what is that called? That whole a pill and you have to push you know when you the have you know when you have like a sheet of pills like medication. Oh, like the the foil thingies that yeah. you pop them out. Of. I can't think of the word for that, but it's is like, there a name for those? I'm sure there Tweet is. Tweet at us. Tell yeah, us the name for the do. foil poppy pill thing. Um, but. And mega churches. They just um, have their communion wafers. They have teeny tiny wafers and then like a squeezable thing of wine. They're small. I've seen the squeezable like single serving where it's like a little plastic thing and you like break the tip off and then you just shoot the juice into your, the Jesus juice. Jesus juice. Jesus juice and Jesus. (laughs) Jesus and juice. Oh. I was joking. I never want to go back to church. Yeah, so I'm I'm not likely to. I was. I mean, my family was pagan, which is a whole other thing. Uh, but I it never religion as a concept never really resonated with yeah, me. No, never I did know. anything for me. And we've that's a conversation that you and I have had before. Um, We're touching on every topic oh, yeah. in like, this episode of TLT. Yeah, TLT. Wabam. Slipwabam. What is wab? Oh, that's us. Slipwabam. 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 
Yes. It's like the sound of someone throwing a dart at a cork board. I thought you were going to say at a corpse. <laughs> no, that would just be... I thought I was the only one who did that. That would be... Well, it depends on how fresh the corpse is. Not very. It's been a while. If it's very old, it's, or else like a mummy. Yeah. It's just kind of like... Mulch. Because that's all the dust. Speaking of dead bodies, communion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... I think people take comfort. God, we're just kind of meandering. We're not even really talking Where about the movie Where else would we go? Point. No, it's fine. People... You've come to us for this great content. Yeah, I have. And I, I really hope we're not offending anyone. No. Like... I do have respect for people who are religious, oh, and I totally get that. But I had such a terrible experience with it growing up, and it's just not my bag. Yeah. I, I, res- I, I will respect that a person has religious beliefs. I don't have to share those beliefs. Yeah. And I don't have to respect them if they are being... Shitty. Shitty or forced upon me. Yeah. Like, my my personal philosophy is believe whatever you want to believe. It you, shouldn't affect me. Exactly. Like if it, it, it starts if it starts to affect me, you are doing it wrong. Yeah. If, if you get some kind of comfort or care or benefit from believing in any kind of, you know, otherworldly... Deity or supernatural. Yeah. Like, that's fine. And yeah. I, I totally understand that. Yeah. I but, totally get that. Uh, it's when you start... Pushing those beliefs onto other people, or trying to force other people to abide by your personal beliefs. Yeah, or when you're judging people for not sharing those yeah. beliefs, like those are the things that really rub me the wrong way. That there is a trend right now on mainly on Twitter and Tumblr. The like, places I avoid. Yes, I need to get off Tumblr, but get I can't. Off. I'm trying my. Stop telling me ben, to get off on ben this just podcast. Ben needs to get off. I do. And he need... won't be so angry. Yeah, if I could get off, then I'd probably be a lot happier. Be a lot but... calmer. Yeah, get be those more endorphins. Relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but goddamn this <laughs> podcast! I'm sorry, I keep <sighs> making jokes about your dick. Episode twenty six. Episode twenty six. Episode twenty six. Am I right? <laughs> oh God! What are we gonna do if we ever hit sixty nine? That's like this time next year, maybe. We'll do something special. We'll maybe we should look through our list and find like what we think is gonna be like oh no. the, oh no. the sexiest oh no. episode. Oh no. Fifty Shades. <laughs> oh no, now we have to do it. <laughs> because there's all those sex toys. I I don't know if I can sit in a room with you and watch those images and hear those noises and like be okay. <laughs> I don't think I could even do it with my wife. We like will... I think it's I don't think I could do it by myself, hardly. We'll have a special bucket made so that you can put the bucket over your head. And no one will see my facial expressions. But but we'll cut eye holes (laughs) so you can still watch the movie. Um... Oh no, we have to do it. I feel like we, we have to, we have to do it. Unless if there is another sexy toyetic movie out there that you can think of. Like, overtly sexy. That's a feature length film. Yeah. We make these jokes, but I think I would be real. I'm really uncomfortable watching like overtly sexual things, even when I'm by myself. It just makes me uncomfortable to I... see other people engaging in those behaviors okay. like I'm not there. I will tell you a story. I started to watch Don John when it was on Netflix a couple of years ago. It's the, it's the, the, the Joseph Gordon Lewitt Levitt. Levitt movie uh, where he's addicted to porn and he's dating Anne Hathaway's character who watches a lot of romantic comedies. So they both have unrealistic expectations. I've never heard of this. It sounds interesting. I remember sitting down to watch it and there's it this the film opens with a lot of Joseph Gordon Levitt. Levitt. I need to stop tripping over that last name. Sorry Joseph, Levitt. I know you listen to the show. 
Um, he's friend, a friend of the show. He's a friend of Jeremy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Friend of Jeremy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There's a lot of stuff early on of him watching porn. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that and thinking, my roommate could come in at any time. And hear the sounds and think, yes. oh, this is just porn. Yeah. This is just regular so porn. So I only watched the first seven minutes. And it, it sucks because it's a film I really want to watch. Now, my roommate, Luke, who I love, like, I, Luke and Brian, great roommates. Love living with them. The number of times I've come out into the, uh, into the living room to go into the kitchen and he's just watching some, like, 70s sexploitation film because he's genuinely interested in, in cinema and yeah. in the history of cinema and in genre. So now you know like, it wouldn't that's what be he that uncomfortable. <laughs> We don't judge here. I could probably... We can't judge. We're physically look incapable. Look at us. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> but I, I know that if I were to sit and watch jo- Don John in that He would probably want to like watch it yeah. with you and you could talk about it. But also, I would still feel uncomfortable doing... But that's, that's me. How that's how I would feel watching Fifty Shades of Grey in the same room as you. Well, what if what if instead of it just being it's, us... We're sitting in the same room watching strangers have sex. What if we had our partners with us so it wasn't just you and me it was a, like a shared i feel like experience. you're just asking that to descend into a, a wanton orgy i don't in that case i i don't I, firstly i don't want an orgy I don't want wontons or- <laughs> actually no i do want wontons that sounds really I feel good like wontons at an orgy might be kind of fun could you imagine like ordering the grub hub and then like we need to finish before <laughs> before, <laughs> before the food here. gets here yeah. Or have you ever done like dueling pizza deliveries where you order the same pizza from two them? places at the same time? I've never done that because I don't order pizza, but that sounds fun. <laughs> we did that a lot when I was in college. It was very expensive. Did you eat both pizzas? Oh yeah, we ordered... We ordered. And then you had an orgy? No. You don't want to have an orgy on a full stomach. I've attended very few orgies. I've never attended an orgy. I have been invited to one. So I... it's nice to know that like yeah, someone thinks I'm interest. worth having an orgy with. I have been to one orgy. Did you just hang out at the snack table? Because um, that's definitely what I would do. I stood in the corner in a tight black t-shirt, just, appraising everyone's I form. I would just sit there eating grapes. Like, literal grapes, not metaphorical grapes. I didn't do a tremendous amount of participation in the orgy. Or watching, because I felt that? awkward. You know what? No. Or were you like, I felt, okay, I now know Actually, this is not bit. my scene. Here's the thing. I've definitely been at parties that have descended into sexual shenanigans i don't even understand how that happens but i, also I get don't... very uncomfortable when it's happening though and it's it's not because i think what they're doing is wrong or gross or anything i just it's get just very not self-conscious yeah I, it's not even that i do, we're discussing some very very yeah. overt, like this is just a kink podcast at this it point is. like it's always we been knew this. it was gonna arrive here <laughs> Eventually. The train is pulling into the station it was always destined for. It's not that it's something that doesn't interest me, because it definitely does. It's just it's something that I always get very self-conscious. Mm. And I feel like... I'm like a vampire. I need to be invited in. You know <laughs> I mean? I'm a sexual vampire. <laughs> I, had a po- I had something about the Your Lego Batman movie experience. I wanted to say. I actually had something that was relevant to the film that we have watched. Do you feel this film does a lot of the same things that the first Lego movie does? And one thing it did that I wasn't expecting it to do was, again, that kind of cross pollination of brands. Mm, yeah. And a lot of those brands are Warner Brothers brands. For example, the the Lord of the Rings is in there. Yeah. New Line is owned by Warner Brothers now. And the, uh, the Wicked Witch of the West is there because The Wizard of Oz is now owned by Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. So I was really impressed with that aspect of the movie, again, playing into the way that kids play with toys. Yeah, like, yeah. Kids don't care that, oh, well, my Ninja Turtles go over IPs. here. And, yeah, they're definitely, like, it, 
it's borderline litigious the way that children play with their <laughs> toys. Like I remember as a kid, like with my Star Trek figures, my Next Generation figures, wishing I had like Doctor Who toys to play with them that yeah. were the same scale. And now I have Doctor Who action figures and nothing else because that's what, I'm an adult. And that's why I use you know that's what I spend my disposable income on. Do you feel like uh, that aspect of this movie, the toyetic aspect of this movie, was as effective as it was in the Lego movie? Or is it it because we've already seen it done before, does that lessen the impact of of what they did in this movie? I don't think it lessens the impact. I definitely, the first time I saw this, that surprised me that they were including all these other properties. But on a second viewing, I'm just like, yeah, that's Lego. Like, that checks out. I think it's clever. I dug the, the, the Daleks presence. Um, I know you did. Because the, the thing is, you the only Lego Daleks you can get are for uh, Lego Dimensions. Like They haven't done... The only Doctor Who set they've done that I'm aware of is the the 11th Doctor's TARDIS. And then there, there was some Lego Dimensions stuff, but there were ne- never never any like general sets with Daleks in mm-hmm. them. So they had to design their own Daleks using what I assume is pre-existing pieces. Yeah. Rather than... Because they don't match the design of the Lego Dimensions Daleks. But I think including the Daleks was an interesting choice, especially considering they're not as big a property as, for example, The Wizard of Oz or Harry Potter, because Voldemort was, was yeah. in this film as well. I thought that was a very interesting inclusion. But Warner Brothers have a history of including Daleks in their movies as well. There was a Dalek in Looney Tunes back in action. I've never seen that. It's not great. It didn't look great. I remember seeing the previews and thinking, oh, I'll skip it. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about Space Jam? I, I like it okay. Okay. I don't have I'm the... not crazy about it like some people seem to be, but I watch it and I think, yeah, I remember what it was like to be six, seven years old. Well, the kitten has... The kitten remembers. The kitten remembers and the kitten never forgets Space Jam. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't have the kind of reverence for it that a lot of people around our age group I don't think it's... it's it. I, don't, I doubt very much that it's genuine reverence. I think it's that sort of like silly, ironic reverence yeah. that is the... The reverence of like, remember what it was like to be young and carefree. Yeah, I think that's that's maybe an aspect of it. I wonder how much of it is. This is a film that I watched a lot as a kid, so it's an important part of my childhood, mm-hmm. and therefore it's a good movie. Like, I think you and some I. Some people make that jump. We do not make that jump. Power Rangers the movie. It's a great film. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were to look at Power Rangers the movie objectively, I can you and objectively I... say like, yes, it's very silly. There are a lot of holes, yeah, but it could still mean something to you. I yeah. acknowledge that a lot of these Barbie movies, not great, maybe even overtly bad, but they, can, <laughs> I can still enjoy them. That's st- fine. The worst one is still Barbie and the Rockers, which came out before either the of us. Very were born. worst. So yeah. I'm, I'm not the point person for that. Yeah, I couldn't um, have stopped it. <laughs> There's nothing I could have done. You say that, but you're you are a soldier in the temporal guard. You could have traveled back. I but I I swore an oath <laughs> never to meddle. The 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 release of of Barbie and the Rockers out of this world and Barbie and the Sensations rocking back to Earth is a fixed point in space time. <laughs> so I feel like actively giving this film a rating is cheating because we've already we I think we've discussed fairly thoroughly at the top of this podcast that we know we love this we film. We know it's like, good. So I guess the question is, is it as good as the Lego movie? Yes. <laughs> I think in terms of um, storytelling, it's yeah. as strong a story and as strong in terms of characterization. I honestly, I personally liked it better than the Lego movie. Mm. Purely because the theme of it, the moral of it resonated more with yeah. me personally. 
Um, so I got like a stronger emotional hit from it. Yeah. And so it's going to stand out in my mind more. I can yeah. definitively say. But I think in terms of capturing the spirit of how children play, you know, they literally say like, pew, 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 like yeah. capturing that spirit and making me want to go get some Legos to play with. They are both equally successful on that front, I would say. I think it's, I, I had a very similar reaction to this. Like, I think this film narratively is probably stronger than the Lego movie in part because the Lego movie relies on that chosen one trope where mm-hmm. there's a competent woman who is not the chosen one, but there's an incompetent buffoon man, a toilet boy, who is the chosen one. There's kind of that dynamic going on in this one as well, in the sense that there's like a man-child and a competent, driven woman who's just trying to rein him in and get something done, which I didn't love. I but I, I think but, that the Lego movie that it's more it's that trope of this is prophecy. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and whereas in the bat in Lego Batman, it's Batman himself saying I'm Batman. Yeah, yeah. And everyone else is kind of fighting against him on that, which I think is I think that's that's a more interesting approach to. Is that everyone realizes that he needs to change except him? Yeah, I wouldn't know what that feels like because I'm perfect. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think overall, I think it's it's a mixture of the stop, the kind of pseudo stop motion style aesthetic of this movie was impressive and surprising in the, in the Lego movie, and we expect it from this one, so mm-hmm. it's not quite as surprising. But the story is stronger, and I think it's a I think it's a more enjoyable movie. It's a strong Lego movie, and it's yeah. a strong Batman movie. It's arguably the best measures. Batman movie, I think. I, I, I haven't seen enough to definitively say, but I will say it's my favorite Batman movie that I've seen. You've seen at least four, right? Because you said you I've saw seen Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. I've seen Dark Knight Rises. I've seen Batman and Robin. Yeah, that cinematic masterpiece. I think that's all of them, and besides then, like, this, this one. one yeah. yeah. So of the four, this is... This is the strongest, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I love The Dark Knight. I think The Dark Knight is one of the best, not just best superhero movies ever made, but one of the best crime movies Mm. ever made. I think the Lego Batman movie is better than The Dark Knight. I think it's better than Batman, Batman Returns, any of those other movies. I think this is the best one. And I think because it is, I think it kind of pokes fun at the entire premise of Batman. Yeah, it's and it's how kids understand Batman. Yeah. How they relate to Batman, their idea of what Batman is and what Batman does. Yeah. It's not grimdark like we see a lot of modern interpretations of Batman. It's like the child who has kind of absorbed the cultural osmosis of what Batman is. What is their interpretation? How would they play with Batman? What kind of story would they want to tell? It's definitely a lot more brave in the bold than Batman Begins. And I think that it benefits from that. I think this is the most refreshing, like, big mainstream representation of Batman that we've had, Mm -hmm. especially in the wake of things like... Refreshing. Yes, that's a great word. I would love to see more light-hearted Batman, generally, just kind of going forward. I know we won't, because edgy Batman sells. Um, This sells. Oh, this did very, very well. And and Lego Batman is going to be a character in the Lego movie, too. Mm -hmm. And I hope we get another Lego Batman movie. You know, I don't I know. Watch it. I don't know where they could go after this one, uh, because this one serves, like I said, as, as a kind of a wonderful, kind of critical analysis of both Batman as a character and Batman's relationship with the Joker. Mm-hmm. You would have to find another smart in to the Batman I can, universe. I can imagine them combining it maybe with another property or bringing yeah. in something unexpected, another another 
character. Do you know what would be unexpected? Tell me. A Lego DC Lego Marvel crossover. Can they do that? If they're licensing Lego, maybe. I just don't want to cause some sort of like space-time rift by having the two (laughs) properties interact. I don't know. I mean, it's not much different from having Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny on screen at the same time in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah, they um, just they just have to have every single character has equal amounts of screen yeah. time. I think that that's and be the same size. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that you would have the studios kind of arguing. Yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that would prevent that kind of project from from happening, which is a shame because I also think that that would be interesting, and I think it's really the only way you could do a Marvel DC crossover movie is to make it something silly. Yeah. Because you can't to have, have to have a third party execute it. Yeah, I think I think you can't have Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark meeting Ben Affleck as Batman. As cool as that might be to That's imagine silly. in your head, there's no way I don't to play think that it's cool in my head. Um, but you can do it in Lego. Yeah. You know, I think... You can do anything in Lego. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I think, like, a lot of... For Lego Dimensions, the video game, a lot of DC characters were available to play in the game. They did no Marvel stuff. Hmm. I think part of that is Marvel didn't want to play... Didn't want to have their characters on screen at the same time as DC characters. I'm speculating there. But I also think that towards the end of Lego Dimensions, because they discontinued it earlier this year or at the end of last year, I forget when the only brands that Warner Brothers were using for the game were brands that Warner Brothers owned, as opposed to stuff like Portal and Doctor Who and the Ninja Turtles, which they didn't own, which was uh, a lot of the stuff you saw in in the game when it first launched. The end. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Everyone, thank you very much for indulging us in this <laughs> uh, very special episode very of The Life Triatic with Ben and Molly. If you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, anywhere you can get this podcast where there uh, is a review apparatus. Please leave a positive review if you enjoyed the show. If you didn't enjoy the show, um, this is kind of a weird one, so I totally get it. But listen to some other ones. Like Listen to the Trolls yeah, maybe episode. maybe try a different flavor. Yeah. This is just... One pop tart in the spread that is available to I you. I was thinking gelato. This is just one flavor in our gelato case of episodes. There's 26 flavors you know to how, choose from. You know and people we're complain, always adding. People who complain about, oh, why are there so many Oreos flavors now? Fun fact you do not have to buy the flavors you don't like. Yeah, do not it's fine. Them. You're fine. Yeah. So. No one's trying to hurt you. Yeah. Oreo's not trying to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to eat the Peeps Oreos. I'm not going to eat them. I don't like Peeps. But you know what? Someone out there does. I love Peeps. Yeah. And someone out there will love Peeps Oreos. Yeah. It's Timber. It's Timber, my wife. <laughs> of um, course. But yeah, um, leave a review. Share us online with your friends and family. Podcasts like us absolutely depend upon word of mouth to thrive and grow our audience. So we cannot do this without you. If you do like the podcast and you want to support the show, we have a Patreon, which you can find online at patreon.com slash thelifetoyetic. We now have two bonus episodes up there. We uh, we dropped this week. Uh, no, last week at the time this episode goes yeah. out, we dropped um, our newest bonus episode where we watched Tom and Jerry, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's a nightmare, it's but a- it's... <laughs> it's our suffering is hilarious yeah and then we have another episode where we watch Flight of the Navigator um, the bonus episodes are going to be stuff that don't necessarily fit the remit of the show but that we still think we'd have fun talking about and there's definitely a moment in the Tom and Jerry Willy Wonka episode where Molly has a lot of fun yeah it's a great lot of fun. I think you would dig it 
Um, but yeah, you can you can back the show for as little as one dollar a month, and, and that get gets you access to the bonus episodes. Bonus episodes, we'll be doing live streams and Q and As and stuff. We should probably plan uh, a live stream yeah. Q and A at some point soonish. But at the five dollar mark, you get a postcard, like a quarterly seasonal postcard. Yeah. Um, Molly, show me the design for the upcoming, I guess, like autumn for yeah, Halloween. Yeah, kind of a fall Halloweeny deal that's going to be going out towards the end of October. So our five dollar backers are going to get those. So if you jump in now, you will get a card, and you will love it. You can put it on your fridge and say, "Those guys are my friends." Yeah, I really, I, re- I really love that card. I haven't <laughs> had the chance to say that to you to your face. Oh but yay! I really, really love the design. I can't wait to have one well you're gonna have one soon cool and so will you yeah jeremy jeremy who listens to our podcast i don't want to spend too much time plugging the patreon because you know it's there patreon.com slash the life toy you should mention the ten dollar oh tier yeah that the, is very important the ten dollar tier you get um a shout out at the end of the episode like at hey it's billy rose who is our presently our only ten dollar backer billy's lovely um she's a great human person she seems cool she has uh, an ordinary number of arms and legs and digits in that she has them which is nice and uh, we really appreciate her support thank you so much billy Thanks, you are billy. you're an awesome human being um and we look forward to mailing you a postcard overseas fun fact oh yeah billy's foreign yeah billy's in australia what yeah billy you're so much cooler now <laughs> every week you get a little bit cooler in molly's eyes we also want to give a huge thank you to brian melblum for doing our theme tune the toyetic toe tapper um you can find us online twitter tumblr we are the life toyetic on any social network that we are on um molly where can people find you i'm at molly alice hoy and i am at ben padden um it's our names so easy <laughs> Um, if you are in Los Angeles and you're a Doctor Who fan, look who's talking, a live Doctor Who after show. We're doing them every Sunday night after a special screening of the newest episode of the TV series Doctor Who, which is what we're talking about. The free screening of the newest episode, absolutely free, we do not charge for that, is at 6pm. And then we do a live after show with special guests at 7.30. Um, the guests we had on the Sunday just gone, which, uh, when this episode goes out, obviously two days before, um, we had Marilyn Gigliotti, who was in Clerks, and uh, Michael Nixon, who was in Drunk Hawkman and is a writer and podcaster. He does the, he, He's one of the co-hosts of the show, Having a Friend for Dinner, which is a podcast about Hannibal. I, yeah, because you eat, you eat humans. Yes. Yeah, I get it. It's a com, it's a comedy joke. Um, so I, at the time of recording, I haven't spoken to them yet. I'm sure they were great. Um, and I look forward to our guests for week three, which is this coming Sunday. Um, you can always find information about that at bit.ly slash look who 2018. That has all of the events for the remainder of the season. Oh, and this weekend is San Diego Hukon in San Diego. Uh, you can find out more information about that one at sdhukon.com. I'll be doing panels, playing the Doctor Who RPG with friends, for laughs and for an audience um and probably doing stand-up they still haven't gotten back to me uh, about what my full schedule is but i'm very excited about doing the con I've, this is their third year and i always enjoy doing it yeah i think that's pretty much it yeah i um, think we've bared our souls enough we have thank i need you, a nap thank you so much for indulging us this week i know that this is not our usual fare but i think it's nice to do an episode like this every now and then especially after we've had a run of just mm. absolute clunkaroos so uh, sometimes we just need to get our feelings out. Yeah, we're people. Yeah, I think I think this has been good. I think it's been a nice like breather mm-hmm. for the show. Next week we are doing Action Man the movie, a 2005 animated movie for the UK market based 
on the uh, action figure Action Man. I'm so excited because I have no fucking clue what any of this is about. I do. I used to. I had uh, a bunch of Action Man toys when I was a kid. They're basically what the big GI Joes were mm-hmm. called in the UK. So I'm very excited about getting to talk about that. I don't know whether there was any law for Action Man. Um, I know that he had a. I would say we could, you know, look it up, but you know, we're not going to. Oh, do we're absolutely any never going to do that. But yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, Action Man the movie, otherwise known as Action Man X Missions the movie. But other than that, we are done this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Toy Edit with Ben and Molly. I have been Ben. I've been and still am Molly. And the Life Toy Edit comes with everything you see here. Hot Batman on Joker action sold separately. <laughs> <laughs> What's your impression of Doctor Who? I liked I liked the episode I saw. Oh, you, I meant like like, like an time. impression of Doctor Who. And it, oh, um, <laughs> hello, my name's Jodie. I'm the new Doctor. <laughs> 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 the thing is, though, is it is it's a flawless impersonation. Yeah. You really nailed it.